morning, Grinders! Welcome to the DFS pregame show here on Roto Grinders. I'm Jordan Cooper, a.k.a. Blender Ed, Blender HD, if you want to follow me there on Twitter. And this is the show that we uh, we talk a little bit about yesterday's slate, talk a little bit about today's slate, MLB, whatever. Maybe maybe touch on MMA a little. we got an MMA slate on, on, on Saturday. I mean, it's not just, this is the DFS pregame show. It's not just the MLB or whatever the hell's going on. It's whatever. Whatever happens to come up, I talk to you guys about DFS strategy in the YouTube chat. So if I see you guys in there, hit that thumbs up button. Give me those thummy thumbs on your way in the door. Thummy thumbs. Give me the subscribe scribes and the notification belly bells, I guess. I see you guys. J- Jamie Burkhart's first in here. 1033 a.m. I came in pretty early. Shannon Lambert, Doug Montgomery, Joe Mack, card fan, Shane Newman. First round exit. Apocalypse, Michael Dompier, Ryan Edwards. How you doing? Feel free to post whatever you want. I I, re- I read everything in there. Devin's in the chat as well. And I'm always in the Discord. So, I mean, if you if you have outside of the show, you could always subscribe, sign up for Roto-Grinders Premium, and uh, and hit me up there. So click on the link, get, uh, get $10 off your first month. Uh, everything went well. I, I know I've been gone for two days. I, I had a EGD and a colonoscopy uh, on, uh, on, on Wednesday. So I didn't know how I was going to feel on Thursday, whatever. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. Apparently, apparently I just like pooping a lot and there's no, there's no reason for it, I guess. Uh, maybe mild Crohn's disease or something, something like that, which is related to another condition I have. Autoimmune, whatever the hell. Uh, so I guess I just like to poop a lot, but I expected the worst. I've, I've had like bowel problems for like 20 years without ever having a colonoscopy. So like, I thought they're going to go in and they're going to find, they're going to find toy trucks. They're going to find, who knows? Who knows what I left in there, right? They're going to find anything. Who knows? They're going to find a little family living in there. Nope, they're going in like, oh no, you're, that looks, looks healthy to me. Looks, looks normal to me. Like, okay, I guess that's good news. It's good news that there's nothing wrong with me. Bad news is, then why the hell do I still poop a lot? I don't know. I don't know. Figure that out. Maybe I just like pooping a lot. I don't know. I don't eat that much. So whatever. So enough, enough of the poop talk, whatever. I can always talk about my poop. Uh, let's see. Uh, yesterday, yesterday was not a good day for me. Cause if you didn't, if you, if you didn't, if you didn't play chalk, you didn't do well. Right. Uh, Atlanta was, was the chalk yesterday and they did well enough. No team did like sec- exceptionally well. I mean, they Braves put up se- seven runs, uh, but I mean, they are also heavily owned. So, I mean, if we take a look at the bat flip here, uh, you know, we have Albies at 24%. And uh, Riley, 18%. Uh, Freeman at 15. Peterson at 13. Swanson at 10 with that grand slam. And then also the, the Red Sox, because they were cheap against Montgomery. Uh, I mean, we had Brandon Lowe. Was, uh, Lowe and Meadows on Tampa Bay were a little underpriced. So they were, they were, they were popular like one-offs. The stack wasn't as owned. But uh, but the Red Sox were were cheap. JD Martinez twenty one percent, Kiki Hernandez twenty percent, Renfro nineteen percent, Vasquez seventeen percent, Bogarts fifteen percent. So we see here. Uh, of course, Boston didn't get there. Uh, but I I primarily played yesterday. I played the Yankees and the Dodgers. I didn't play the bat flip. I played uh, the the two fifty. I played the, the basically the the smaller field stuff. A two fifty lineup, a one twenty one lineup, and three eighty eights. Right, the medium 88s, uh, and I didn't play any Braves. So uh, when 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 you don't have Albies, you don't have Swanson, you don't have Freeman, you don't you don't have. I mean, especially on a lower scoring slate, uh, 
you know, my, my lineups just like just really didn't get there, right? Really didn't get there. But the main reason I, I did that is like, I wanted to show you this. This is what I mean by like, when I play smaller field stuff, I tend to play more contrarian. Not meaning I'm going nutso. It just means that the chalk tends to be much more condensed. So getting outside of pitching. Pitching yesterday, obviously, Manaya did the best, and he was the highest owned. Uh, but, I mean, a lot of pitchers did well. Bueller, uh, Morton, Snell, Heaney did fine. I mean, 25 points for Heaney. I mean, the, 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 the chalk pitchers. I mean, even Maeda got 17. Kim got 25. I mean, Tanner Hawk, I mean, 24 for the, before the rain delay. So pitching wasn't that big of a deal. Yes, you probably probably needed Manaya, being that he scored like twelve more points more than any other pitcher. But as long as you as long as you got like uh, like fifty or so points out of your pitchers, you were probably fine. But if we take a look here, look at Albies. I pulled up the single entry battery, which is the one twenty one, the ball four, which is the two fifty four max, and then the bat flip, which is the eighteen dollar large field GPP. But look at look at the difference between the ownership in the smaller field stuff and the larger field stuff. Albies almost forty percent, just under forty percent owned in the single entry, thirty four percent owned in the four max, twenty four percent, twenty five percent in the bat flip, which is still one of the highest highest owned bats, right, on the slate. But like way more owned in single entry. I mean, if we take a look at these these all those 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 the break the Braves the Rays. The Red Sox, right? Martinez, 28%. Renfro, 27%. Kiki, 25%. In general, I mean, on average, but look in the comparison. 29 versus 20. Renfro, 31 versus 19. J.D. Martinez, 33 versus 21. Brandon Lowe, 28 versus 23. Meadows, 31 versus 19. So with it so much more condensed, like I'm much more likely... To like hope that hope that these hope that these stacks fail, that the brave stacks fail. If the brave stacks fail, look how many lineups I'm knocking out of the contest. They're the highest projected stack. Yes, I get it, but not to the extent where they should be this much higher owned. Should the Red Sox and the and the Braves be this much higher owned than other stacks? So if we take a look at like someone like Stanton, right, eleven percent of the bat flip, but only seven seven and nine percent in the in the single entry stuff. I mean, a little bit, a little bit lower, right? We see Stanton here, uh, someone like 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 Will Smith, right? I had him hit him a catcher. I mean, look, a little bit lower in the in the in the smaller field single entry stuff. So if my stacks do well and the chalk fails, I can win those contests. They're small contests. These are like 400, 500, 800 entry contests, not like fifteen thousand, twenty thousand entries. So my goal is the chalk to fail and that I score just enough. I just need enough. I don't need 10 runs out of the Yankees. I don't need 10 runs out of the Dodgers. I just need enough, right? A six run game could be the highest score, right? With the chalk failing could be, could be that it, that's it. I consider playing Matt Moore, right? As, as like lever, like, well, if I'm not going to play the Braves, why not pave all the way down for Matt Moore? He would have done decently if it wasn't for like one pitch to Swanson, right? The, the grand, once you give up a grand slam, you're dead. Or I mean, you're done. Uh, but for his price, like if he didn't make that one mistake, I mean, he didn't have that bad of a game otherwise. I think he had six strikeouts even regardless. I mean, when you give up six runs, I mean, it's not going to matter. 
but like I had like Esteban Florial, right? He was he was actually more owned in the in the, the single entry because he was cheap. He was two thousand, right? So it doesn't mean see when when I say be contrarian, it doesn't necessarily in in single entries, formats. It doesn't mean like oh I'm going to go down and I'm going to start playing you know, the garbage right low projected low you know I'm I'm going to play Matt Moore against the Chuck and then also play Quan Kim and then pay up for something that no one's doing like like you don't have to do that you, you could do that in the large field stuff but a lot of times if you you're giving up way too much projection because I saw yesterday because I, I I made my lineups purely by projection uh and, and ownership obviously so I saw that these I I was I and typically in the smaller field I make five three lineups because I just want to get two teams right so in running the Braves five threes like running Braves and Red Sox kind of five threes types of thing maybe some low some low meadows whoever right Wander Franco or whoever Kiermaier showed up in a couple uh those lineups were like 110 medians according to the bat based on the bat projections so like around 110 but the ownership was like 220 percent i had some at like some 190 right 190 to 220 and then i saw down if i didn't if i x'd out the braves and i x'd out if i x'd out the braves in and of themselves i would get lineups down uh projection wise at like 106 right? It would have Red Sox in it primarily. So 106, 107 range. And the ownership would be like 150 to 160. So I'm like, okay, that, that isn't that bad. But then right underneath it, if I X'd out the Red Sox also, I would get lineups that are like 104, 105. And the ownership would be like 120%. So remember like these five, three lineups with the Braves are like 110 median projection and like 200 plus ownership. Like I could sacrifice like five, five and a half points and cut my ownership in, in pretty much almost in half and play and play the Yankees and play the Yankees, play the, the Yankee Dodgers because the Yankees were cheap. And then, the, and then you don't, you're not playing the red, you're not playing expensive guys from those chalky teams. And then you pay up for, for the Dodgers, but Muncie Turner and, and Will Smith. And you could still play any combination of like Manaya, Snell, Morton, Heaney, you know, that type of combination. So once I saw that, I'm like, okay, now, now I know what I'm doing in small field. I do not mind giving up five points for that much ownership, especially in, in, when I know that, and that that ownership is based on like the bat flip, right? Understand that that ownership is based on Albies being 24%. I think we projected him for, in the bat flip, we projected him for 27%, 26, 27%. So imagine in the smaller field, like that ownership, that, that 110 lineup, is actually like that 110 lineup was probably like a total of 270%, 280% owned in, in the battery or the ball four. So it's like to me, and then then all these other, the, this Yankees and the Dodgers weren't that much different from the bat flip. So to go from like 260, 270 down to 120, 130 and only give up like five median points, which is what, a double? One single, a double, just a, a, a hit and an RBI. That's it. That's the only difference between the two lines is a hit and an RBI, a hit RBI, RBI single. So that's why I play those types of lineups. So sometimes if you go through on DraftKings when I'm playing single entry in the battery and you go, oh, I, want to, I want to take a look at Jordan's lineup. And you're like, wow. Like, yo, you didn't play you, you, any of the, you didn't play any chalky one-offs. Like you probably, play, probably played two pitchers that, that most people were playing. 
But the, the, bat, the bat construction, you'd be like, wow, you really went off the board there. But it's not. If you ran the projections, it's not that far off the board. And in, in, this, in these small field contests, the Braves and the Red Sox were heavily overowned, heavily overowned. Yeah. Did, did the Braves get there? Yes. It gets there. Okay. Then you move on to tomorrow, right? You're playing this every day. You're doing, you're doing this all the time, right? So the Braves got there. Okay. And the, and the people that played them won. And you could have played Braves lineups that had enough leverage. I mean, we take a look at uh, the bat flip, for instance, like Ricky D. He played an Atlanta lineup. Here, here's another thing. You could play an Atlanta lineup and still play a low-owned player. Look, Orlando Arcia, because most people play Jock Peterson in that spot, right? They would play a lineup with Freeman, Albies, Riley Swanson, right? Fill up all of your infield positions. And then they'd play Peterson here, right? And not pay up for Canha, right? For 4,900? No, play Arcia. But Arcia hit a home run. And he was 2.3% owned in the backflip. So this, this Atlanta stack is actually lower owned than it looks like. Yeah. It's the chalkiest stack, these four guys. Even Swanson wasn't like ridiculously owned. But then you pair it with, you know, you put Arcia in here. You get a 5% Fran Reyes, Don, Canha, 17. Right, Brantley, you just punt there. You get a zero, who cares? No care. Will Smith did well, but about that, that's it for catcher. And there you go. You could still win with Manaya Heaney. Nothing wrong with that. Second place. Came in second place. What was the top line? A. Anderson. See, Atlanta stack. Here you go. Smith, Kevin Smith, Freeman, Albies, Riley Swanson. And but that Dylan Carlson. There you go. Dylan Carlson, Fran Mil Reyes. Right? Kiki Hernandez was high owned. But you got 26 points out of, uh, you know, 6% owned Cardinal guy, right? Rinpak, what was his best lineup? Tampa Bay, right. Exactly the, the exact lineups I wasn't making. Rays, Braves. Low matters, Kiermaier, Yandy Diaz with a triple and a home run. Mejia, Albies, Rielzies. Right, I mean, this makes sense, but this is a truck lineup. I get it, right? Yandy Diaz was, the, was you could play at Rays stack because he was overpriced, 4,900. So he was low, he was low on the, you know, I mean, he, you could play the, you can play these lineups, but by playing the leverage lineups, it's just easier to make lineups. I'm not going to, I'm not going to win as often. I'm not going to get higher scores. I'm playing for low scoring slates. So I have nothing against playing these types of lineups. I mean, this is fine with the Andy Diaz in there and Kiermaier in there, then you're, you're good. Take a look at FJ Bourne's best lineup. Yeah. Same type of thing, right? Virtually the same lineup, just with the with a Rosarina in here, right? So he scored less, but two percent Yandy Diaz. So the the the, the raise stack wasn't in in on average, not that not as owned because Yandy Diaz takes down that ownership. JBC, what, what was his best lineup? Atlanta stack with St. Louis, Molina, Arenado who had a home run, and Carlson who had a home run. It's perfectly fine lineup, but I mean, look at the Cardinals. I mean, I, play, I played one lineup with the Cardinals yesterday also. 3%, 5%, 5%. So then who cares? Heredia, 4% though, right? And you still played the, the Braves with it. You, you can make these lineups. You just have to be much more aware of how to make these lineups. So you may end up making lineups that are too, are too much ownership and your, your win equity goes, goes significantly down. Your min cash equity goes up, but your win equity goes down. But it's so much easier if I just X out the Braves. Like oh, I could make I can make tons of lineups. 
I just have to make sure that the projection is at least at a, at a decent enough level. But if I could only give up five median points, five to six median points and cut off my ownership by half, I'm just going to do that every day. I'll just do that every day and wait and wait for the chalk to fail. Hopefully I get there. Let's go through the YouTube chat. Let's see. Do, 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 do. I don't know if there's anything in here. Feel free. It's casual Friday. Casual questions. You can ask anything you want. Anything you'd like. It's casual. I mean, that's normal anyway. But why not? It's Friday. Why not? Right. Jeff Chambers says, I prefer not to play a one-off from a highly owned team. I agree with that. And let the only that uh, doesn't mean you can't. Remember, you're thinking about the whole lineup. Right. So it doesn't mean you can't do it. But I'm more I'm I'm I, at weaker positions, I don't mind as much. It's like Al Ozzy Albies at second base, but you had Brandon Lowe at second base also. Like sometimes we have the sometimes we have these slates where like there's a bit like shortstop is like a wasteland. It's like, well, Trey Turner's gonna be a million percent owned, and he's like the best shortstop play, and everyone else sucks. It's like and Washington, you know, the Washington national stack is the highest owned stack. Like, do you play Trey Turner as a one-off in that situation? Well, I mean, maybe he may he may be such a higher projected shortstop than anyone else on the slate that why why are you sacrificing points there? That's why it's slate dependent. But I'm more likely than outfielders. I may probably not. Like when Nelson Cruz is chalk or something, he's up against a lefty, and the Twins are the highest on stack. I I, I rarely do that. Same for Acuna. Like if the Braves, I mean, obviously he's not going to play the rest of the year. Like those types of things where like the team is chalk and it's, he's the expensive guy in a position where I could, I could find home runs. I could find, I could find outfielders. I could find first baseman even like typically power hitting first baseman are much easier to find third baseman, probably easier to find these middle infield positions. Maybe not so much. So yes. Yeah, so the, the, the chalk one-offs I'm, I'm, I'm less likely at 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 weak at, at at strong positions. Okie doke. Let's see what else was going on. Let's go back to ownership over here. Yeah, Ricky D plays very very contrarian. We can see here from a pitching perspective, zero Bueller. I'm surprised Bueller was that was was that that owned. I thought Manaya would be the highest. I thought Bueller would come in at like maybe twenty two percent because you didn't you didn't need to spend up for him. You didn't need to. You had Snell there. You had Morton there. You had, uh, I mean, you had to take a shot. Yeah, Heaney is uh, he, Heaney is a roller coaster. I get that. People play Luis Patino. If you were paying down, I guess so. Rinpac played forty-one percent. Luis Patino, was he a thing? Not many people did. Broflex didn't. I mean, Brick had twenty percent. JBC at twenty-seven percent. Really, fourteen percent on Luis Patino. Okay, right. He was more, he was way more on than Matt Moore. I would think Matt Moore would be, make it easier. I mean, Matt Moore projected well in the bat point per dollar wise. I mean, he's a cheap pitcher. It's like a lot of times cheap pitchers do anyway. But yeah, like Rug, like instead of playing Albies or Low, I played like Rugnet Odor, which is obviously whenever you play Odor, you know what you're getting into. You're getting into either four strikeouts or two home runs. Or it's going to be one of the two, right? But looking through this. You got Will Smith down here, two Will Smith, right? Because we we always get the pitcher and the catcher or whatever combined. Yeah, and I, and I played the card. Yeah, 
The funny part is I played a Cardinals lineup and I didn't play Dylan Carlson in it. Didn't play Dylan Carlson. I played what? Goldschmidt, Arenado. I played Bader in that lineup because they fit or whatever. That's the slate yesterday. Feel free to post in the in the in the YouTube chat your questions. I know we we've been gone. I was gone for two days. I figured come back to, to tons tons of questions, tons of strategy questions. What's going on today? Okay, it doesn't look like we don't have doesn't look like we have any weather weather issues. Right, we got some starting line. We got some pitchers. We got some decent pitchers on today's slate. Right, Geo Wheeler, Musgrove, Cole. Got some. We got some stuff today. Right, Chichi Gonzalez against the Dodgers. Are we playing the Dodgers today. Musgrove against the Marlins. That sounds like uh, you know he, he should be able to do well, but uh, we've seen we've seen him, seen him fail. He hasn't pitched well in a couple of starts. Michael Dompier asked, "Quick follow up on last night. Did the chalk sort of fail, but the non chalk just failed worse? I had plenty of Oakland and Dodgers and thought I had a real shot at first after the early games. Yeah, I mean you could have. No, no one did." I, no, no stack did like well, but the Braves were owned enough and they did well enough that they did enough to get there. It, it didn't, the chalk didn't fail. The chalk didn't succeed, but like no one succeeded. I mean, the Braves scored seven runs and they were the highest scoring team on the slate, right? So, I mean, there you go. And they're the highest known. The, the Red Sox failed. So the Red Sox chalk, they, they went, they went down. The Braves got there, and the and the Rays. Truthfully, maybe not Meadows. If you had Brandon Lowe, I mean, you, you got point. You got you got points. But you didn't need a you didn't need a high score yesterday, but it, but still, the the highest owned team still did the best, and the highest owned pitcher still did the best, pretty much. Card fan, I was able to max out entries to the Supreme Squeeze. Supreme on FanDuel today playing satellites. That entry dollar amount is much higher than I normally play. Thoughts on adjusting approach with some lineups. Not why. What's the Supreme? How much is the Supreme Squeeze? How many lineups are we talking about? You're saying max out entries. I don't know. Are we, how many lineups are we? What's the Supreme Squeeze? Let me take a look. I don't even know. I'm playing, I'm playing on DraftKings today, not FanDuel. What, what the hell is the Supreme Squeeze? <laughs> they changed the names of all these things. Let's let's take a look. I'm going to look on my phone. Oh, it's a, it's a $4 contest. I was starting to think you're putting it, it's a $200 or whatever. You're maxed out. You got four entries into like some $200, $200 contest. It's a $4 contest. Am I, am I, am I contest shaming you? Am, am I, it's like, oh, you the contest that I normally would play 150 lineups into. Oh, okay, that like that contest. Like, no, you change, what, what approach would you change? It's a large field contest. The $4 Supreme Squeeze is a 74th, about a little over 74,000 entries. And looking at the payout structure, it's probably god awful. 50, 20, 10, 7, 5. Yeah, it's, a, it's extremely top heavy. 10th place is 750 bucks. Ninth place is 750 bucks. First place is 50,000. So if you play the small, if you're, if you're, if you're used to playing the wiffle ball, right? The five cent contest or the 25 cent contest, 
Like, what's the what's the payout structure in the twenty five cent contest look like? It's still in general top heavy, five hundred to first and twenty to ninth. Oh, ridiculous! What does the five cent contest look like? What does that look like? Yeah, that's still top. Right, ten dollars to ninth and three hundred to first. So no, you if if you're if you were playing those contests like the five cent, the dime contest, or even if you're playing the beanball, the two twenty two. Right, it's a large field contest. Fifty, actually, actually, it's smaller than a lot of smaller than the wiffle ball. The wiffle ball has one hundred forty-three thousand entries. That may be the hardest contest to win on Fanduel, even though it's a nickel an entry. But if you've been playing like the twenty-five cent, the pinch hit—that's what they call it, I guess. Play it the same exact way. How do you how do you win a contest against seven seventy-four thousand lineups? That's top heavy. You have 150 lineups, and a lot, and you won satellites, and so you mean you you get you're you're paying less for it, but who cares if you're playing less? Don't then oh I'm playing six hundred dollars. I'm I'm not used to doing that. That doesn't mean you don't play well. I want to make sure I'm in cash. I mean, you can probably you're probably gonna catch plenty of lineups no matter what you do. Play good, play plus EV lineups for that large of a contest. Playing 150 of them. Use lineup HQ, build your lineups. If you're if you're concerned, if you're concerned about you know retaining more equity in the contest, maybe be more diversified. Doesn't mean make bad lineups. Like don't don't play four fours of the two chalk teams in the chalk picture. Just so you have, I want to make 20, out of my 150 lineups, I want to make at least 50 that are just like nearly a cash lineup. Like, don't do that. But it doesn't mean that like on a 14 game slate, you're like, I'm going to play five stacks and, and make as many combinations of those five stacks and that's it. And then ignore like the other 23 teams on the slate. Like that's a very condensed they may be the best lineups. I mean, if you if you're playing that contest day after day and you want to have a high variance portfolio, that's perfectly fine to do. But it sounds like that you that you're not. There's not a contest that you normally play every day for 150 lineups. So maybe me be more inclined to play a lot of stacks, a lot of different, you know, just spread it out as much as possible. Not because it's better. That isn't better. That's just more diversified. Meaning that you'll put in six. If, if, for instance, if on today's slate is what, 14 games? If in 150 lineups, you only played six teams versus playing 20 teams. Like when you play six, if you just play six, just a combination of six teams and a couple of pitchers, like more likely your lineups are going to do really well or really badly. So your 600 will turn into, if even if you lose money, your 600 will turn into, Five hundred and you know sixty four, or you know, or maybe you make a little bit of money, eight hundred and seventy two, or you'll have virtually nothing. Your six hundred will turn into like forty bucks, thirty two dollars, right? Because so many, so much of your lineups are correlated with each other. The teams do well, all all of your lineups are going to go towards the top. If your teams do badly, all of your lineups go to the bottom. Which, if you play this over and over again, that may end up being more money. Then if you play 20 different teams, which means you don't have as many combinations of them, you have this, but you're still making plus EV lineups. You're just choosing more diverse amount, different types of them. 
then you're more likely to like, oh, you'll hope that, you know, one or two of them get towards the top, one or two of them get towards the bottom and a lot in the middle. You'll see, you'll be spread out amongst the whole thing. So your you're 600 turning into virtually zero is very, is very low. Like to have a minus 80% return on 600 bucks would be what? That's $120, right? That's, that doesn't happen that often. You're more likely to get minus 25%. At like not at worst. I mean, it could be low. Your six hundred, even if you do, if you don't do well, you'll probably cash enough lineups that your six hundred turns into three hundred and eighty, four hundred and forty, right? Something like that, rather than into like sixty bucks. Into you know, oh, none of my lineups did well. I mean, well, because they're all correlated with each other. So it's like if you just played a couple of teams, and they both don't do bad. They don't don't do well. You're like, okay, all my lineups are towards the bottom. If you play a whole different types of combinations, then they'll be all over the place. But you'll have less, less, right? Less chance of getting first with a whole bunch of different combinations. So all, all that is is diversification. There's no strategy behind that. You're still finding 150 plus EV lineups to play. And you may find one with two teams from here. And you may find one with this team over there. You may find tons of plus EV lineups that have all different types of combinations. But then you have to choose. Let's say you find 5,000 plus EV lineups, but you can only play 150. Do you play 150 of all the ones with the same pitcher? You can. You can. Mathematically, you can. But now on this one slate, that pitcher doesn't do well, then it doesn't matter. Then the other 4,850 plus EV lineups would have been better on that slate. So maybe you want to slice and dice to be more diverse. So diversification is more about risk management than about than it's not about strategy. So when people's like, how many stacks should you play? Whatever whatever lineups would be plus EV, it doesn't matter because you're basing it on if the slate played out a million times. So feel free to be feel free to have a high variance portfolio or a low variance portfolio. But how many stacks do you play is not a strategy question. Because there's plenty. Hey, you could you could. There are plenty of stacks that you could play that, and the rest of your lineup looks so bad that, okay, well that lineup sucks. It's the same thing with exposures, like that's a risk management thing. That's that's not a strategy. Zach Wheeler is what eighteen percent owned. Should I have thirty six percent of him? What is that? Are those thirty six percent lineups? Are they good lineups? Who cares? A Musgrove. I'm going to be under on Musgrove. I'm going to have him in ten percent of lineups. Yeah, but are they are they good lineups? If they're good lineups, then maybe you should have them in more. Maybe maybe yeah, I'm gonna play Freddie Peralta, but the lineups are horrible. I have eight hundred percent Freddie Peralta, and he did well, and then you still lose all your money. You know how did I do that? Well, you, the rest of the lineup is horrible. So who cares how much over or below the field you are? That that doesn't matter. If the lineups aren't good, then it doesn't matter. Now, if you put the assumption that the that you've selected 150 plus EV lineups, then then it's a matter of how much diversification you want. So that's why when you hear sharper players talk about uh, being above and below the field, they've already narrowed it down to their plus EV lineups. They've already narrowed it down to, like I could play a bunch, a whole bunch of hundreds of these lineups, but which ones do I want to play now? What's my diversification? But if you're not at that point of getting plus EV lineups, you know, playing... Playing uh, playing 
twice the field of a player in lineups that project 30 points lower and don't have any ownership benefits. Like you're playing minus EV lineups. Even, even if the, I have 60% Musgrove and he puts up 35 points. So if your lineups suck, what does it, what does it matter? Imagine it from the extremes. Let's say on today's slate, you're going to be, I'm going to be way, I'm going to be, I'm going to, I'm going to lock button Zach Wheeler or something, whatever. You think he's going to do great. I'm going to lock hundred percent. He's going to be 18% owned and I'm going to be five times the field. And then Zach is because, because when Zach Wheeler puts up 40, I'm going to be that much more leveraged than everyone. And they use that leverage term the wrong way. But let's say you play Zach Wheeler in, in all of your lineups, but then you play, play injured players in the rest of your life. The, the rest of all your bats are injured and backups. They're not even in the starting lineup. So you're going to get zeros in all those spots. Okay. So if Wheeler puts up 40 points and you're, you have him in every lineup, you still lose. What does it matter? Yes. You, yes. You have five times the field at Zach Wheeler in lineups that are nowhere near can't that are not competitive. Have it have a EV of like, like two cents on the dollar. So that's why you have to think in terms of lineups and not players. So I hope that helps. Good luck on the Super Supreme, the Supreme Squeeze. Should I play that today also? No, I'm playing the Swing to the Fences today on DraftKings. I was considering just doing some single entry and three max stuff, but since I'm not playing baseball tomorrow, so I'm playing MMA tomorrow, I said, ah, screw it. $6 swing for the fences, I'll swing for the fences. I'll swingy ding. If you have time, can you go over your process for preliminarily picking stacks for tonight's slates, even though we don't have lineups and anything? It's not that complicated, right? Like if, if I were to, like not, like this is, I'll show you a, a very quick process for like single entry and three max type, type of when, where you're hand selecting lineups. So this is like similar to what I did yesterday. Okay. You do it mathematically. So now we have owners. This is okay. Just a caveat. We're using the ownership that's here currently as of 11 in the morning and it's uh, bad projections as of 1130 AM. So just based on this. Okay. So now in smaller field contests, I typically play five, three. So now I'm going to go, I'm going to look at five X five, three. Okay. I'm just going to look at these. I'm going to put an 80, I'll put in 20, just to look. Okay. Number of unique players, one. I'm probably going to spend most of my money, right? 49.5. So this would be for small field. And you expand this for large field stuff. But I'm just going to look based on, do we want to do 100 and it may take too long? So let's, let's do 60, 60, that may be enough. Okay. Now I go to stacks. How many teams do we have today? Yeah, we have a lot of teams. Maybe primary max, stack max eight. Do something like that. Eight, eight. Don't get too much of anything. Just to see, just to see what lineups look like. Okay, so it's an, it may take a while, even with 60, because it's, 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 it's considering everything. 
I just want to see what the projection versus ownership is. What's chalky, what's not chalky. Green bean bill, green bean. How close to a cash line of what a hundred field single entry GPP contest look like? Doesn't have to look like it at all. When you play a cash lineup, you're optimizing primarily by projection. You don't care about correlation. Correlation and leverage don't, don't get you anymore in a double up. Coming in first doesn't matter. Just beating half the field matters. But in GPPs, you want to increase the variance of your lineup, but you don't have to increase it by that much. So it could be a cash lineup, but that's correlated. Like, you have a lineup that has three of this team, two of this team, and three one-offs or something? Well, make it look like a five-man stack. Make Play a 5-1-1-1. So that the, that the lineup you have in your cash lineup, you have three guys from the same team. We'll add two more guys to that team. So you're stacking that team. And that could be it. Right? And then you see what the projection difference is. Oh, I'm giving up three points of projection, but I'm adding correlation. And, I'm, and my ownership is lowered by a little bit. Okay, there you go. To beat 100 people, that's, that's all you need. In small field contest, correlation is your friend because you have to get less things correct. I'd rather bet on teams than on players. Now, in a large field contest, in order to beat 70,000 people, you have to, I mean, if there's some guy that hit three home runs today, that's more than 1% owned, you probably need him as a one-off because maybe the stack doesn't even work. Only because there's so many more entries in the contest. There's so many more combinations out there that are you're, that you're fighting against. In a 300, 100-man contest, the guy, the 1% owned guy that hits three home runs, may, no one may have. You don't have to have that high of a score. So when your score doesn't have to be that high, I don't need to concern myself about getting the nut guy in every position. So let me just bet on two teams, five, three. Okay, so we're taking a look here. Okay, David Price, I think he's gonna, I think Party's gonna end up fixing David Price. I don't know if his pitch count is correct because we, we have him at 17 points. Is he gonna pitch that long? If he gets 17 points? I don't know. I don't know. I have no idea what's going on. So maybe we disregard these price lineups. So yeah, one percent on yeah. Let's 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 disregard the price lineups for now. Okay. So the highest projected lineup, one that isn't David Price, based on the bat, is a is a twin stack. Okay. The twin stack is actually pretty low owned. When you take a look here, two percent, three percent, based on our current ownership. I mean, who knows? So this may look good as it is. I mean, because look, Upton's 23%, Turner's 23%, 14% for Suarez. Wheeler, Musgrove, which is, it seems to be a chalky enough combination. So looking at this, right? If we, if we look at, because uh, look, here, here we have, the Nationals are going to be one of the most owned stacks. 22%, 23%, 21%, 16%. Obviously you're getting ownership discount because you have price here. Right, so take a look. This is 112.67. Okay, disregard price. It's a 153% ownership. Okay, but this lineup right underneath it, 
you're giving up like 28% in ownership and, and about a half a point, 3.3 point, a third of a point. So this 125, 112, 120, 112, 100. So this is good, but it has price in there. That's it's artificially going down because of price. So let's let's take a look at this lineup. So I'm gonna I'm gonna heart that lineup. So our our baseline is 112, 125. So 111, 130. Nope, nope, doesn't cut it. 110, 118. Okay, maybe we could do, maybe we could do that. 110, 118. Okay. 110, 118. 110, 130. Nope, too high. 110.97. Okay, let's take a look at that. 110.169. So basically, this is a lineup that you would net you is way worse than these other lineups. Because look, it's lower projected than this. Look, this lineup projects for 110 at 97% ownership total. This is like 110.71, 0.05 less, and has look how much more ownership based on our numbers currently. So this lineup is way worse. This you'd much rather play this lineup. Let's go through 110, 157, 110, 150, 110, 132. So what we're looking for, a nice one, 94, 94. Where's this? Okay, here we go, without pricing. Okay, so there's a lineup. So we're looking at 110, 100, right? 110, here's 92. This is not, not horrible. Right, 143, like you wouldn't play this lineup. 117. 99. Okay, this this may not be that bad. 74. Okay, that's fine at 108. 96. 53. Oh, because because of David Price. So let's 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 move on from the David Price lineup. So now we're now once we found these 99 ownership numbers, now we now we don't even want the hundreds, right? 89 at 107, maybe. 101, 106, 67. We're starting to lose a little bit more projection, but that's fine. Right, I don't think we're going to be able to beat that 67. One, 107, 38 at 67. Uh, oh, that's a David Price lineup. Okay, maybe that's why. Okay, yeah, there we go. Because oh, I, I, I don't think his projection should be this high. And if it is, and he's one percent on, I'll be playing a ton of them. But I just, I just don't think it is. So let's see. Can, can we, can we beat that? One, 101, 64. Oh, and this is not a David Price lineup. Okay, I don't think we're gonna be able to beat that though. 106.94. Okay, so the lowest we found was 106.94, which is a 5-3 lineup. The highest we could find is like 112. You're not giving six points in projection, right? If we X out David Price and we sort by ownership wise, I mean, we see, you know, Cole is gonna be owned, Peralta is gonna be owned. Basically, the Nationals are chalky. The, looks like Austin Hayes fits in. The Reds are going to be owned, right? We could take a look at this. So it's like, well, based on our bat, the bat projections, like playing the Nationals doesn't seem like, yeah, yeah. I mean, they, they project, they still project well, even in the bat. They they're one. I think they're the best point per dollar stack in the bat. Yeah, here you go. They are the best point per dollar stack in the bat. But in comparison to the ownership. And the median projection, they may not be, they may not, they may be mi minus EV. So we go back to our lineup HQ. Okay, we go back to our saved lineups. Okay. So we're looking to play 
let's let's say I was going to play uh, five lineups today, right? The 250, the 121, and three into the 88s, something like that. This is what I would do. I go, okay, this is the highest projected one. I don't mind this. I mean, I'm not a big fan of the one-offs being, you know, this is a five one 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 line, right? It is, yeah. But it projects well. But here's one one ten. Still have Upton as a chalky one-off. But this is this is Padres. There's a Padres stack with Josh Bell, Solaire, if he happens to be in the lineup today. I got Musgrove Wheeler here. I don't mind. I'm giving up about a point and a half. I'm not gaining you know, seven, seven points in ownership. Not that great. But like down here, like one here, here's one. So maybe I'll click this one. Oh, I don't want this. I want this, but I like this. So this is Roy. This is a 5-3 Royals Tigers. Ownership is 97. Yeah, I like this line. Right? Because look, you're getting an ownership discount and what, a, po- a point and a half? Meaning projection. And remember, the Nationals lineup was also around like 112 at like 170 whatever percent ownership. So maybe I like this, the 97. Maybe I don't even play this lineup. The 5111 up here. Okay, here's a 5111 with uh, the Red Sox. We have projected very low owned. Yeah, because they're they're going up against uh, Garrett Cole. Is this something I play in single? I don't know. I don't know. Do I play the Red Sox against Cole? According to the bat, maybe you do. Maybe you take a flyer, something like this. Maybe. Based on these numbers, if I just did, if I didn't tell you that, you'd love these numbers. One hundred nine at ninety two. Here's Brewers, Brewers, Royals, and you still have Upton in there. So this is more like a five two one. Ninety nine at one of them. Okay, this is the Red. So we'll get rid of this because we have a better Red Sox lineup. Right, we got a Twins lineup here, five three with the Royals, one hundred eight at seventy four. So that's pretty good. One hundred seven at eighty nine. Well, we kind of already have a Tigers, whatever. So maybe get rid of this. And I got this. Look, one hundred six at sixty four. Indians, Twins with Wheeler and Musgrove. Obviously, all these have Wheeler and Musgrove. So if you didn't want, well, this is Peralta and Wheeler. If you didn't want to, if you want to have a more diverse pitching, you'd, you'd figure that out. But here, here's five lineups. So here you go. Here's a here's a five three with the Tigers Royals. Here's the five one 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 with the Red Sox. Here's a five two one with the Brewers. Here's a five three with the Twins and the Royals. And here's a five three Indians Twins. But based on the numbers that you see here, projection versus ownership, like this at, at seven o'clock, like this is the type of thing that it, you know. Seven o'clock, I'd be like, okay, those are my lineups. Did you see me pick any specific players? Like, did you see me do anything where I'm like, should I play this guy or that guy? Should I play this guy or this guy? No, I didn't. I wasn't picking players at all. I just picked lineups. Okay. Now for, if you're playing 150 lineups into large field, whatever, you're not going to have the time to do what I just did. But you're going to look to see, I want lineups that are like this, right? Let's say, I want lineups in like the 105 to 110 range that come in no more than 100% owned, okay, in total. Let's say I want a lot of them, okay, and I want them correlated. I want them I want them uh, uh, five, five something, 5X, five 5X, five 5-3, five right? 
So let's say let's say we decide on that. Like I'm I'm going to build 150 lineups that are in this that look with these numbers. So I don't want more than 100%. So I could go and build rules and I could do that. And let's say since I'm making 150, do I want one unique player between them? No, maybe two uniques between them. Maybe three. Maybe it depends on how diversified you want to be. So max total lineup ownership 100. Right? Maybe I don't mind leaving a thousand on the table, right? In the large field, we're playing large field stuff now. Now I go to stacks. I still want to have diverse diversification, but maybe not that heavy diversification because I'm most likely I'm not going to get a lot of a, some teams, right? So maybe I don't want I don't want more than fifteen percent of a team as a step. Well. Maybe you have to go a little bit less because you may get 30% of some teams because you can some as secondaries and some as primaries. So maybe you do something like that. Or maybe you do it the opposite way. Whichever way you want. 10%. Right. I mean, you'd go in if you if, if you know certain stacks are plus EV or minus EV, you'd you'd customize all of these. I'm just doing this for speed. Right. If you know that like the nationals are like they're going to be overowned. You may want to have less of them. And if you know a certain team's going to be underowned, then you want to have more of them. So, like, I'm just doing that for as an example. But I want primarily large field. Maybe I don't want all five. I don't want that many five threes. Maybe I do something 40 60 split or something like that. Maybe I'm just example and then build. So, we already established what types of lineups I'm looking for. I'm looking for lineups that are. Under 100% total ownership. Oh, let me do, okay, hold on. Before we do this, before we do this, we have to get rid of a certain player. I just, this, this David Price thing is going to kill me. Unless he, I mean, if he's going to be 1% owned, he's going to have 17 point meeting and I'm going to play a ton of them. But I just, I just, I, I'm not sure that pitch count is right. So let's take out David Price. So, because it, it'll screw up all the things because he's 1% and he'll, he'll end up in like so many lineups. So let's run 150. Let's see what comes up. But that, that's our goal. Our goal, I mean, look, look, even the first line, 114 at 98. It's like, okay, give me that. It's a Royals five-man and, and a three one-offs with Musgrove and Wheeler. And let's say, okay, hold on. Let, before we build that, let's say since we're going to, pitching-wise, we don't want to have like all the Musgrove and Wheeler, Right. Because I mean, we're getting so much of Musgrove and Wheeler. Let's just say, blanketly, we don't want more than uh, than 50% of a pitcher. Right? Right? Maybe, hey, maybe we don't want more than 25% than, than of any hitter. Just whatever. I'm, I'm, this is, I'm doing this the simple way, just for speed. But just to make sure we don't have Wheeler, Musgrove, Wheeler, Musgrove, Wheeler, and like, like 80% of our lineups. Maybe... I'll be able to find lineups that project well enough that aren't those combinations. But by default, the optimizer is going to, if I put it at hundred, she's going to say, it's just going to start jamming in Musgrove Wheeler to everything because they project for slightly higher points. So like, I want to, I want to see if I could get different combinations that still project well. So like, okay, I'm going to do that. So under hundred, we're looking somewhere in that, that 105 point range. Let's see how many lines we can find. 
that are like that, that have two unique players different. We could find more if we just do one, less if we do three. Shannon Lambert says, Price went 66 pitches and cores, and I thought he heard he might be in range for 80 today. Okay. Well, that's why I don't know. I don't know. What does Cardi have his pitch count at? So we could look at that. Where, where, where are we going? Where's the bat? Where's stack projections? Okay, let me, let me go to the bat. This is, these are the things that Cardi tweaks during the day. But I don't know what he what he has him currently to show that projection that we have now. Go by David Price. David Price, he has him at 89. Okay. Is that on the high side? That may be on the high side. Currently, his projected pitch count is, is 89. So if this turns to like 78, then his projection is going to go down. He, but he still may project pretty well for 6,300, even if he's going to pitch 80, 75 to 80 pitches. Obviously, facing Colorado is a great matchup. So maybe, or what ends up happening is that he projects for 85, 80, 85 pitches, and now the ownership isn't 1% anymore. The ownership is, is 20%. But I know something's off there. Either the ownership is off or the projection's off. Because there's no way a $6,300 pitcher that projects for 17 points is only going to be 1% up. So it's one, one, of the, one of the two things. Let's take a look. 35, yeah, it's going to take a while to build. Take a minute. Michael Dobby says, for salary, I've started using 45,000 as minimum for 100. No, I don't. I, I think that's something you have to get that low. How many lineups are you going to find that have at least 5,000 on the table that project well enough? On DraftKings, on, on FanDuel, FanDuel, you could leave money on the table sometimes. A lot. You could leave a lot more money on the table, especially on smaller slates. But on DraftKings, the pricing is, is much more efficient on DraftKings. That I, I would not I would not be I would not be playing lineups at least five thousand on the table. Like them at the most, maybe two thousand, right? Maybe. Even then, typically, typically a thousand is my max on, on bigger slates. The bigger the slate, the more money more money you want to make. The more money you want to spend anyway. Right. Well, that's what I'm saying for the minimum. Right. Devin's Devin's saying that that's what I mean for the right. At least 40 for no, I'm I'm spending at least 48, at least 49. Like what lineups are you gonna find that that leave five thousand on the table? And I, I I mean you could you could leave it there, but would would I be playing line? I meant can you find lineups that are that low? I guess. Card fan asks, is the best way to separate the chalk teams from being in the same lineup by using groups on lineup HQ and building diverse 150 set? No. I mean you could do it. That's the complicated, that's the more granular way. Look at how I'm doing it. If I set an ownership max on my lineup, it does it for me, right? It's a blunt way of doing it though, right? It is a very blunt way of doing it, right? So let's say, because you're talking about the chalk teams. So let's say on today's slate, the chalk teams are what? The Nationals and the Reds. I mean, I'm just going by example. I've just looked at the, I have no idea. I'm just going by the numbers that are there, Okay. So if we go like to the starting lineups page, they're just because it's working on the other page. So right now we have the nationals. If you play the, the chalk national stack, 
You'd play a 23% Turner, 22% Soto, 16% Bell, 21% Harrison. So you add these numbers up. We're talking about 20, 40, 60, about 80, 90, right? It's the Nationals. If you play the chalk version, obviously if you play a 4% guy or a 3%, it'll be lower. So if you play chalk Nationals, and let's say, well, are the Reds going to be chalky? Not chalky enough. 15, 11, 15, 14, 17. This is about 15 times, 75%. So let's say the Red stack is like 70% combined and the National stack is 80% combined. That's 100. That's even if you do a 5-3, that comes out to like 120 total. Just in your bats. This is before pitchers. So if I set... At at 100, can I ever get a Chalk Reds Nationals lineup together? No. <coughs> I can't get it. It's It'll be higher ownership than 100% total. So I don't have to go in and go, I don't want to play Suarez and Soto together. I don't want to play Turner and Votto together. You don't, you don't have to do that. And in the lineups, if, for instance, I do get a Reds Nationals lineup. It would probably be a Nationals lineup that has Escobar over Harrison or Para over Bell or something like that. Or in the Reds, I would have Votto instead of Stevenson. Or it would be some of the chalkier pieces, but it wouldn't have Wheeler. It wouldn't have, it would have, it would have a 5% on pitcher in it because it can't be more than 100%. So it's going to take the whole lineup into account when building your lineups. If I left this at zero, yeah, you'll get, you, yeah, because now it's 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 solving a constraint knapsack problem and it's going to give you tons of Nationals Reds lineups, National Reds, National Reds, change of picture, National Reds. Na- right, because the ownership, you're not constraining the ownership. You're going to look at a lineup that are, have an ownership sum of 190 and have uh, five, three Reds Nationals. But now I found the range that I wanted I found lineups that I liked, that I thought were good, gave up a little bit of projection, got a good amount of ownership. And now I want to find as many of those types of lineups as I can in all different types of combinations, whatever teams, whatever whatever I can find. But once I constrain, I, I'll get Nationals lineups in this set. I'll get Reds lineups in this set, but they probably won't be together. Like we take a look at the combo summary. Let's take a look at that. Five, three combinations. Washington, we... Like if, if I left this at zero, that, that it do whatever you want, like it would give me so many of those combinations, but I'm not getting that. Am I getting any? Am I even getting any Cincinnati? Washington, Cincinnati, one. There's one Washington, Cincinnati. Is there Cincinnati, Washington the other way? No, because it's hard to do. It's hard because they're too owned. If I have two combinations, right? So looking through here, so it's, it automatically did that for me. Look how diverse I am, right? Okay. Take a look here. No more than 50% of a pitcher. No more than 25% of a batter. You could change those numbers. I'm just, these are, I'm just using this as an example. So now look, our goal, look at our save lineups that we're going to play in this thing, right? 110, 97, 110, right? 109, 106, 64. That's kind of the, what we're looking for in our lineups for, for our 150 build. So let's go to that build. 114.98, that sounds pretty good to me. 
That sounds good. 113.85. We're good. These lineups look pretty good. 113.95, 113.98, 113. Because we're playing a lot more 5 one one ones. Obviously, the lineups, the 5-3 lineups are going to project a little lower because it forces in correlation. So look through. Okay, we're getting under 100, under 100, under 100, 82, 96, right? Now we want to start going to the bottom. 109, 92. These are pretty, these are pretty good. 108, 76. Okay. We're getting we're losing some ownership here. Okay. Kind of want to go all we want, now. We kind of want to go to the bottom, bottom, right? 94, 52. Like, should we be playing that lineup? 96, 90, like this lineup, you wouldn't want to play. I mean, it's like the virtually the same ownership as the lineups at the top, but you're giving up like 10 more points. So, like, no, get out of here. Right? 95, get out of here. Like this one at least is low owned, but probably get out of here also. 99 at nine. Okay, that's probably not good. 99 at 80. Probably don't want to go under under a hundred, right? 167, 197, 196, 84. Like I don't mind that. 61. So I don't mind that. Get enough. Right. Five three Dodgers. Right. So maybe it delete the ones below it whole lineup below those you don't want those right you still have plenty of lineups right we end up with still 135 yeah and then you tweak from there right you see what yeah but i'm, I'm playing so much Jorge, Jorge Soler well if you don't want to you want to find different lineups then cap them say i want to find this these ranges of lineups but i don't want 20 i only i don't want more than 20 percent right I'm playing too much of that guy, right? You look at your pitchers. Like, do I want to play 35% of my lineups having Jake Odorizzi in it? Do I? You have to determine that. Mats, maybe you want less. But you're still looking for lineups with this. You know, you rather not play lineups that have 90. Like, look at this. The top lineup is 114.98. So if there's a lineup that's like 104.98, like, what's the point of playing it when you already have lineups that are 114.98? So if we go all the way down, right? So we're looking for like 114.98. We're looking for like 98. Look at this, 24% ownership total. Right, because you're playing Mats and Odorizzi together. Like, this is a great large field lineup. Very high variance, right? Like, almost no ownership here. But the projection's 102. Yeah, like 102.92. Like, is this lineup good? Probably not, in comparison to the other ones. Right, you're giving up too much projection. So, like we see 99, I like this lineup is, isn't good in comparison. We, if we're going to have only 102 projection, we want to see ownership somewhere in the 50, 60, maybe 70 range, maybe 80, may not even 97. That's definitely not enough. 85, that's probably not good. 81, too much. Right, 92, too much. See, 42. Okay, I don't mind having only a 100-point projector with 42% ownership. 95, this is not good. So what you can do, if you're going to be eliminating like this, don't build 150 lineups. Build 200 lineups. Right? Build 200 lineups. Once you're happy with your diversification that you want, you find the combinations, then you build 200, and then you eliminate 50 of them. You go through just like I did. You eliminate the ones that just don't make sense in comparison to the other lineups. There you go. 150 lineups. You're done. You're done. You upload it. You're done. 
If you just so happen to have 22% Stephen Matt, then that, according to the math, that's what you should be playing. That's what it is. Those lineups are plus EV, right? And you're good. March Mimic, how often do you use the slate IQ leverage projections provided a leverage stack has a decent win percentage? That'll be reflected in the projections. Like I said earlier, when I, this example that I just did right now, I just put in just like, don't give me more than 10% or 50. Like, I, like these are just all even. Like I said earlier, if you use slate IQ for DraftKings and you're like, oh, this team is more EV than this other team, right? The Nationals are over-owned, right? So like, for instance, if, if we had a baseline, for instance, just as an example, purely as an example. It's like, I want at most an equal amount. I mean, this adds up to 280. Most of the time you're adding up to like 112. Like you, you're going to set what you want, right? So let's say, let's say you, you don't, you're like you don't want Philly. Like there's certain stacks you may not even want at all. I don't want Miami. I don't want, I mean, so you look in slate IQ, you look at the leverage, you look and you go, these project too low, like White Sox against Peralta, uh, Milwaukee against Giolino. Maybe I play a little bit. Yeah, you look at slate IQ and you see which ones you want and you don't want, right? You go, okay, exclude that and exclude this. I'm just make, I'm making it up. I don't know what, what teams are what, right? So you exclude, maybe there are certain teams that project so low and have negative leverage that you're like, I don't even want to bother playing them as a stack at all. There can still be one-offs if possible. So you go through all of that. So let's say you go through and you find, okay, you're not going to play, you're not going to play Texas against Odorizzi because it's whatever, whatever Slate IQ says. So you go through all of this and you go, well, Washington is negative leverage, but they also project high. So I'm going to keep them in. Then let's say you have a baseline. Let's say, let's say for instance, I'm going to get rid of some, some of these. Let's see, get rid of St. Louis, get rid of Toronto, get rid of the Mets, just to, just to get it down, just to, for an example. All right, Pittsburgh, just look at the team totals. Milwaukee against Giolito, Boston against Cole. Maybe get rid of the Yankees. Baltimore, Washington, get rid of Atlanta. Right, you're down to this. So maybe, maybe if you were to be even on everything, Seven is that close enough? Yeah, it's close enough. You were even. It would be something like this, and you're like, "Well, I based on slate IQ, based on what you look, uh, you see that uh, that San Diego has high leverage." You're like, "Okay, instead of seven seven, I want ten. I want more." And you look at the Nationals, and you go, "I want less. I want little of them. Maybe it's one off, sure, right?" You go through that. You go Baltimore. Good value, but they're going to be overowned. So maybe I only want four of that, right? And you can just whatever. Boston has a lot of leverage, but against Cole, like this is low win probability. So you're like, I still want some. Maybe, maybe you go down. I want three, right? Tampa Bay, they're overowned, down to five. Cleveland, they're underowned, right? So you want a little bit more of them, right? That's what I mean. The example I just showed before, building lineups, I just did it all even, just, just for speed purposes. Just, just to show you an example of what, how to select lineups. But yeah, you go through and you go, how much of these do you, do, you, do you want? You make it add up to a little bit over 100. So it tries to find those lineups. Be, be more inclined to be a little bit wider 
and then start narrowing it down. You may look through and go, yeah, maybe I don't want as many of these Red Sox lineups. So you, you decrease the stacks and there you go. And Michael Dampier gives a good point. The slate IQ involves the plate IQ projections, not the bad projections. So those win percentages are based on the plate IQ stuff, not the bad stuff. So you have to adjust for that a little bit mentally. But if you want to use it, you could use it. It's, it's something, something to look at. On Slate IQ, I just care about the win percentage versus, versus the ownership. But it doesn't mean that I don't play high win percentage teams that have negative leverage. And it also doesn't mean I play high leverage teams that don't have very low win. We take a look at Slate IQ yesterday. Let's see, Slate IQ, Roto, this is the only way I can end up finding it. Roto Grinders. Can we, can we find Slate IQ Roto Grinders? What was yesterday? July 22nd. Like we just take a look at yesterday. Based on Slate IQ, which involves the Plate IQ projections, not the bat. I sort by winner, right? Like I would love to play Cleveland it, like yesterday, if you use Plate IQ projections, like based on these numbers. Right, but you see down here, like, oh, Miami, 26.4% leverage. But I mean, it's still a low win in comparison to other teams. Right, you look at the Dodgers. But I mean, this is, this is all based on the plate IQ projections. So it's not, this is not based on, on the bat. The bat was much lower on the Indians and much higher on the Dodgers yesterday. And actually higher on Boston. So it was negative leverage, right? The negative leverage according to the plate IQ projections, but pretty efficiently owned when it came to the bat projections. But yeah, but it doesn't mean like, I, like oh, I'm going to play, you know, oh, if this number is high, some team at the bottom has a 90% leverage. It's because it's like the difference between 0.6 and 0.3. It's like, it's still very low probability. I'm not going to be jamming them into half my lineups. But I use this type of thing to determine what my stack allocation is going to be. But the projections guide that as well. I know that I'm going to get a ton of nationals if I don't do anything because it's going to project the best and they're going to be high on. The, the main point of this, of, of me showing you this on like how to build, you know, to pick out lineups for single entry or three max or whatever, small field and building 20 max, you know, 150 max, whatever. If you're building 60 lineups, what you should be looking for. Like the blunt way of looking for is look at median projection versus ownership some not the perfect way of doing it but it is a, it is a directionally accurate way and you see throughout my entire process here i've not selected players like i'm not like i've not said well i'm gonna play this guy over that guy i'm not gonna just, just no it's like this is 113.88893 musgrove wheeler five man royals meadows torres bell well why'd you play bell over so i don't know I'm, that's what fits 50, I'm playing this whole lineup. Well, why'd you play uh, Ben Attendee over some of, like, it's, the numbers are the numbers. It's just putting it together, right? Here's a, here's a, here's a Royal stack right underneath it, right? If we take a look at these two, that has Santana in it, right? Santana and Kepler, because it's a 2v2. If you want to make even more different lineups, you'd, you'd up your unique players to three. But you may not start finding lineups that 
are outside of that range. You're looking, remember, we're looking for that range of like, you know, 105, 100 kind of range. We could find somewhere, you know, probably no low, lower than 105, 105 to 115 and under 100% ownership. And it, once we start getting under 105 projected points, uh, median points, we want to see that ownership start dropping. Right. I don't, if I'm going to be playing a 114.98 lineup, I don't want to be playing a, a, a 102.98 lineup. If, unless, I, unless I can't find anything better than that. Right. Unless I can't find anything better than that. Then that's fine. Then fine. That's my 137th lineup or whatever. That's it. Lineups over players. And you get the concepts behind this by getting uh, my, my 15 hour audio DFS masterclass, the theory of daily fantasy sports. I had to think like a professional DFS player, 15 hours. It's me and James McCool. It's like a seminar, all the concepts, all the, all everything you need to know for any sport. It's a game theory, leverage, correlation, projection. It's all in here. All right. Look at the chapters, game objectives, player selection, expected value, leverage, correlation, construction, risk management, exploits, psychology, it all goes hand in hand. Lineups, not players. It's how to build plus EV lineups. What is what is EV? That's the most important concept is expected value in any type of gambling endeavor, any type of game. You're playing competitive games. The expected value of every decision. How to think like a professional. And that's why you could go in and, well, that's MMA. That's why you could go in and so go, okay, based on these numbers, if these numbers are accurate, this is a plus EV lineup. If these numbers are accurate, right? Do you trust the model? Do you trust the ownership projections? Sure. If these numbers are off, then who the hell knows? Then, then it's all over the place. If you trust the model, then all it is is just piecing stuff together. Can you piece stuff together better than on average than other lineups in the contest? Then you're done. You're good. There you go. Right? So I don't know. Oh, I can't, I can't play maybe one off. Big sucks. I don't care. These are just names. Who cares? Close the club, cover the names. The number's the number. You can't trust the model and go, I trust the model for Fernando Tatis, but I don't trust it for Mickey Cabrera. It's the same model. So if he projects for that, he projects for that. Doesn't mean you have to play him in 23% of your lineups. Maybe you don't. Maybe you're like, okay, maybe I don't want to have, have a quarter of my lineups rely on Mickey Guerrero. I, I'll maybe 10% of them. Can I find uh, can I find lineups that are similar to this that don't? I've made you Cabrera in it. Okay, then cap them and see. You could do that if you want, but that's a diversification thing. But you can't just like, I'm going to X him out even though he projects well. Well, then you got to X out everyone then. Then you have to just to throw out the model in general. But yeah, so some little, little teaching. Is that helpful? I do this all the time. I, I feels like I do the same thing every day, every week. It goes it's just in cycle. This is, this is how you think about DFS. So hit that thumbs up on your way out the door. Give me those stubby thumbs. Hit the subscribe button if you're new here. Hit the notification bell to know when we go live. Grinders live later today. I, I'm filling in. It was supposed to be Chop and Kirk these. Well, Chop, I don't know. I don't Chop's Chop went somewhere. Chop couldn't do it. So I'll be on. So I'll be on and Grinders live. Hope, hopefully not having to answer, do you play this guy or this guy questions? Uh, but it'll be me and Kirk these later today. But that's 5.30, 5.30 Eastern. 520 Eastern, something around there, some sometime around there. Then we got crunch time for premium members. Sign up for uh, Roto Grinders Premium. Click on the link in the description, get 
$10 off your first month. Got MMA tomorrow. We didn't even talk about MMA. We got MMA stuff. We got the Ground and Pound show. We got the projections. So feel free to play some MMA tomorrow. And uh, and I'll be back. I'll be back. Colonoscopy was good, right? That's why that's why I was off for two days. So uh, I'm still pooping a lot. So I'm probably going to poop right after right after coming off the show. So I will see you later today. I will see you next week, as you always do, Monday through Friday at 11 o'clock Eastern for the DFS pregame show on rotogrinders.com. Thank you.